0: Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise.
1: Hello, and welcome to this EM360 podcast. My name is Chris Stefan, and I'll be your host for today's podcast. I'm the research director with Enterprise Management Associates, an analyst firm that looks how companies manage their IT infrastructure from the data center out to the user environment and into the cloud. I focus primarily on information security and compliance. In today's podcast, we'll be speaking with Anton Chavakin, Head of Solutions Strategy at Chronicle and Google Cloud. And we're going to talk about emerging trends in threat hunting and investigation, as well as some about incident response. Anton, thanks for joining me today. If you would, please let me know a little bit about yourself and Chronicle before we get started.
0: Sure, that's easy. And again, thanks for inviting me. So I ended up at Chronicle. Well, I ended up at Google Cloud through an acquisition of Chronicle by Google Cloud, but I ended at Chronicle by ending my eight-year stint at Gartner as an analyst covering security operations and many other security technologies. So it's funny that uh, Chronicle was that way for for me to finally leave the analyst land and become a vendor again.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I I, I love being an analyst as well. And uh... I think someday I'll probably join you in, in, in going back into the, the field there just because I, I miss it just as, probably as much as you did. So
0: Indeed, indeed. And it was for eight years, but the thing is that the joining Chronicle was definitely a case of love from first sight. Uh, funny enough, many analysts at Gartner and elsewhere kind of become very jaded over time because they see a lot of really badly made uh, security technologies, badly made IT technologies badly made companies. So they start thinking that all vendors are like not great. But uh, when you see a particularly unique gem, something that just like sparkles and makes you think, wow, I should be on the other side of the table. That's rare. And to me, that was the case with Chronicle. I I spoke with a team in uh, spring 2019. And then in June 2019, I was at the company.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And and I got to agree with you completely. I, you know, talked to you know, dozens, if not hundreds of vendors a, a month. And um, and some of them are just okay. And But every once in a while, you meet that diamond in the rough, and it's just like, this is, you know, maybe the greatest thing of all time. So I know exactly what you're saying, and I, I do know exactly what you're saying about love and first sight, too. There's been a few out there that I've just been like, wow, I you guys are just awesome. So uh, really glad that you are able to join us today. I've uh, been really interested to talk to you and what's going on with Chronicle and Google Cloud. No, no question that the last year has seen, seen some fairly interesting changes on how IT and information security um, have been forced to react and respond. So Anton, I, I've heard figures that it takes over 200 days to detect a, a potential breach. Why does it take so long? What are some of the challenges that an organization is facing when a breach occurs today?
0: So uh, there are definitely numbers that vary from you know 40 days, 60 days, 200 days, and I've, I've seen even larger numbers. But uh, to be honest... I think that the critical significance of this is not so much that it's 200 or 180, but it's take it's measured in d- tens of days or occasionally in hundreds of days. And people think about it and say, "Why are we that bad? What are we talking about?" But when when people think about this, they imagine some kind of a gleaming sock of the future filled with experts and you know AIs and technologies, and they think, "Well, how can they miss attacks?" But the reality is really quite different because. Uh, people in the media, maybe analysts to an extent, and uh, kind of overestimate the security maturity of organizations. So, for example, uh, back in my analyst days at Gartner, in to- in about 2018, uh, I don't recall the exact date, I met somebody from a one billion dollar company that just hired their first security professional. So, until 2018, they had a security team of zero. So, the question of whether they're detecting soon or late or whatever is really needs to be filtered through a quite extreme low maturity so security operation centers as we imagine them are actually quite rare and they're mostly concentrated at large or very large businesses a lot of managed services the outsourcing is supposed to be the recommended route are either just bad or they're deployed or contracted wrong so to me Even before we touch about how detecting threats is hard because threats don't want to be detected, again, I can make a pun about it, but the point is, even before we get there, a lot of things break. For example, here's one. I don't have a security team. (laughs) Who do you think would be doing the detecting?
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs)
0: So the
1: numbers average across
0: everybody, including maybe larger SMBs or uh, more laggard type organizations that maybe don't have good teams don't have detection teams don't have have deployed products but don't have people to run them or they outsource to somebody who knows even less so to me it's the power or well, i guess the problem with the averages is that you average and you realize that the very large majority of organizations are just not that great at detection whether they outsource or not and so detections uh, through third-party means uh is is, is quite common so Another example from a Verizon data breach report uh, a few years ago, don't recall the year, uh, mentioned that the number of organizations that detected threats, and listen for this one, through an unrelated third party is higher than the number who detected threats using an intrusion detection system. So a random person not at the company would detect a threat more often than an intrusion detection system. So this like blows your mind. Maybe it was 2016. It wasn't very recent, but but the point is that we are just bad at detection. That's really the answer.
1: Yeah, I and, and I agree with that. I, I've seen some data that that's right along the lines of what you're sharing, and uh, it, it is it is kind of a scary thing. It's something that we need to be looking at a lot more. There's been a lot of news lately about you know a lot of very high profile breaches. Uh, ransomware attacks, what have you. But many of those have occurred in what we would call like a, a legacy system. What are some of the best practices that you would recommend for a more modern environment, such as, as a cloud?
0: So I would say that initially my my focus was to figure out what specific challenges a typical security operations center or SOC would face when they're thrust in a modern environment. So for example, a traditional company migrated to the cloud whether it's to GCP or to another cloud provider. And suddenly their detection team, if they have it, is given this new mandate. Hey, you guys now have to detect threats to containers, threats to cloud functions, threats to microservices, threats to cloud environments. And it's really just difficult because people need to learn that. Like To me, this first hurdle is often... And first, best practice is to avoid that hurdles, of course, by learning the cloud native way for a lot of things. Your cloud service providers, again, like Google, for example, do have a lot of controls built. Now, as a Gartner analyst, I've looked at a lot of this stuff in 2012, and at the time, it was very different. They did not have a lot of controls built. Some of them just relied on third parties for more security. Today, the top tier cloud providers, of which, of course, there are three, have. A lot of security controls and they're very effective, but there a lot of them are built by the cloud providers for the cloud, so they're quite dissimilar in some regards to a traditional set of on-premise controls. So learning to me is like really the principal best practice. Relying on your cloud provider is another big deal because it's a good chance that some of the best, some of the things you want to build are already built by Google and they're built to Google standards. That means they're fast, scalable, and probably inexpensive. So Another bit is you have to focus and have to pay a lot more attention to identity. like if your traditional cyber cyber defense, oh my god, I said cyber, focused a lot on network security, you know, maybe not necessarily firewalling, but like network security controls, network monitoring, network scanning, and other things. But today we sort of focus a lot more on identity because there's a lot less, well, there is networking and there is network security, but a lot of the importance is placed on identity. And so to me, the best practice is really both structured identity repository, but also monitoring for anomalous access, monitoring for violations, monitoring for lost credentials. There's a long list of stuff that's connected to identity because to me, identity in the cloud is a lot more critical. As, as we've said in our podcast, funny enough, we have a podcast called Cloud Security Podcast, right? Funny enough, uh, you know, Google is very funny with naming um, we talked about this, and one of the topics that came up is somebody, some of the guests said, in the cloud, you may be one identity mistake away from a breach. Now, that's really stuck in my head. Think about it. You are using a software-as-a-service product of some kind. Imagine that you lost your credentials and somebody found them. Well, they have access as you to everything in, in, in the application, right? So identity is the only border in this case. So to me, paying more attention to identity is a key best practice in this particular modern environment. Of course, there's a lot more fun stuff to deal with, but these to me are quite important.
1: Yeah, and I totally agree with that. I wanted to go back and touch on something very quickly that you mentioned that I think it's really important for people to understand and something that I talk about all the time, and that's the shared responsibility model. You kind of listed all the things that that Google does for security, so on and so forth, and and I think there's a lot of people out there that believe that you know that the the cloud providers are solely responsible for security. And there certainly there are parts of security that the cloud providers are responsible for, but so much of that comes from the learning that you mentioned and the shared responsibility model. And it's really, really important for for people to understand, for enterprises to understand that they don't get to wash their hands of security, that they need to learn what their responsibility is, and they need to learn what their cloud provider like Google Cloud will be able to provide for them. And I think that's very, very important as far as the education and and, and so on and so forth is concerned.
0: Yes, and I would add to this that, uh, funny enough, I've met people who are believers that cloud is insecure and they should not migrate. And I've met people who think that cloud providers just take care of security. But so you think these are diametrically opposed views. But the fascinating bit is I've heard, I've seen sometimes the same people believe both. I know. They believe that A, cloud is insecure, they should migrate, and that cloud providers will take care of their security. Like, this is kind of schizophrenic, right?
1: It is. It's amazing to me. And I've heard, you're, you're not wrong. I've heard exactly the same conversation with the people that I talk to. And it's why whenever I have the opportunity, I always mention it, that one, trust me, clouds are secure. I promise. I, I absolutely promise. Probably more than 99% of the on-prem environments out there your cloud environment is going to be more secure, and two, to learn and understand what those responsibilities actually are uh, as far as the enterprise's responsibility, security, and what the, the, the cloud provider is going to provide. But uh, absolutely critical.
0: Yeah, by the way, um, one thing to add to this, uh, to the shared responsibility model, is that while obviously we are big believers in this, we are trying at Google, we are trying to evolve the model a little bit more in a useful direction, and here's how. Um, Sometimes when we see people look at shared responsibility model, and even with full understanding of what it means, we place people in a situation where they have to do certain things, you know, they're part of the responsibility, but they're not really stuffed and they're not really skilled enough to do that. So it's almost like we built the cloud, we gave them cloud, we secured some of the cloud and we gave them the rest to secure, but they don't know how. Yet Google, generally speaking, has a lot more cloud knowledge and has a lot more money to build security than a typical SMB using the cloud. So we are trying to evolve the shared dispensability model to a slightly different model that we call shared faith model, where there's a lot more focus on working together to secure even their parts of the of the of the model. So this, to me, does not mean that shared dispensability is dead. Not at all. But it would be sort of transcended or evolved a little bit by building certain types of controls that allow us to build more and allow for the clients to make use of it jointly with us. To me, this is fascinating, and it's been something that kind of surprised me a little bit when I learned about these projects at Google.
1: Yeah, and I've heard that before too, and I'm really glad you mentioned it because I really hope that some of the the other cloud providers that are out there kind of take a cue and, and decide to go down that same route. I, I can't imagine how many security... Uh, breaches would be prevented if people kind of took that tax. So, um I, I don't I didn't mean to segue that way, but it really is a good conversation. I really appreciate your insights there. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about um, some of the advantages of uh, combining intelligence about global threats into while threats inside your network and unique signals from overlapping between the two. I know a lot of companies try to do this, but very few actually succeed. Tell me a little bit about that. So
0: uh, I would say that a lot of companies perhaps dream of trying it, or maybe they read the memo that they should be trying it. I I, I mean, trying this is is quite hard. And I think you're right that few succeed. But to me, in my Gartner experience and my experience after leaving the analyst land is that local threat intel or a good operations that look at threat intel on their own not through a vendor through a threat intel vendor are extremely rare now sure on paper it's very easy you have your incident artifacts you need to analyze them to get the intelligence out you have your perhaps own collection of intelligence if you're doing running your own collection mechanisms so it's sort of relatively clear philosophically what to do but it's just not often operationalized at least in my experience the best of the best well like google or large banks or some other large companies very large companies not just large companies do have a local intelligence operations and they create their intel uh, whether it's from incident artifacts or from their own research but to me this is just for the top maturity companies i don't think that's for the masses frankly there are arguments made in the industry that threat intel in general just like any threat intel isn't for the masses this is a bit pushing it but to me making the intel custom threat intel in-house made intel is not for everybody it, it's very clear like i don't think it's something that will ever be for everybody
1: yeah it's really hard and and that's why you know companies like chronicle are very interesting to me as well because you you do uh, you know act as that aggregator that really gives people that would not have the wherewithal to do it on their own Actionable Intel, and they, as you well know, one of the biggest challenges that are facing vendors and enterprises alike is that signal to noise ratio, right? Taking in and trying to understand through all the noise what is something actionable that they need to do as part of their overall security strategy. How do we overcome those kinds of signal to noise ratio challenges?
0: So, one, I want to start from a somewhat unusual spot in this conversation. I want to start from saying that. In my opinion, actionable is kind of overrated. The reason why I say actionable is overrated is because a lot of, well, intelligence, just we just discussed, and a lot of uh, signals from detection devices may not be actionable. They may be useful as context for other things. So if you maybe have to correlate a weak signal from place A to weak signal with place B, neither of the two being actionable, on their own, but the combined result is actionable. So using intelligence and using detection signals as context for other detection signals, or perhaps as hunting clues, like, oh, something's fishy. Well, to me, the alert that says, hey, something's fishy, is not really actionable. The action is figure out what's going on, and it's not really a typical definition of actionable. Actionable is, oh, I know what to block. But the value of what I guess I would call not actionable is kind of huge. So to me, people who look for black and white in detection, like, is this an alert to wake people up at 3 a.m.? Yes. Okay, I want that. Anything else? Don't want that. You would really go very wrong if you if you approach this like that. Now you may somehow want that because maybe you're ever born or raised on antivirus where something's either malware or not. But even in malware, there are a lot of debatable gray area stuff. For threat detection in general, I think focusing on actionable is is, is silly. Well, it's focusing only on actionable is silly because you have a lot of stuff that's subtle indication of something where you need certain context elements to really know what's going on this is again uh, to recall uh, an episode on our podcast when we spoke with a googler who is in charge of threat detection we had interviewed somebody from our own team that does threat detection and to me making detection logic out of signals out of intelligence out of really weak indication of something is kind of a dark art and science and to me this is really hard sometimes for people so while if you're buying a managed service you may want to call your provider and say hey give me actionable stuff so if you are calling me at 3 a.m i want actionable that's good but i hope you're doing the job on my behalf by pursuing all the other weak signals to know is there anything behind them so to me this noise noise being false sure false positives should be removed they're absolute just like wrong signals they shouldn't be produced but a lot of other noise. Maybe there is a signal in the noise as well. So I would be more careful with this binary approach: signal, noise, signal, noise. It may be like noise, but it means something. And there's a lot more of that in in, in the future of detection. I feel.
1: Yeah, and I think that's totally fair. I, I think that we, a lot of times in the industry, we we overlooked the forensics value of you know some of the data that we consider to be just you know either routine or, or what have you. Just like you mentioned. And it's when you you aggregate that data that all of a sudden a pattern emerges that becomes, like you mentioned, very interesting. So yeah, I I agree with that. I I know that so many people are looking for that, you know that that pie in the sky, if this happens, do this kind of thing because either they don't have the the skill set to be able to do otherwise, or they don't have the the resources to be able to do otherwise. But from from your perspective, taking and having all that data to be able to do something and aggregate, you know some some threats that are going on. I think it's very interesting when it's all said and done. So I, I appreciate that perspective. Um, I al- I also wanted to talk um, specifically, you know that you know recently you 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 of course are aware that you know President Biden issued an executive order on cybersecurity. It's caused a lot of companies and security vendors finally to take notice, you know uh, about security as if you know, heaven forbid, they weren't paying attention before. Can you talk about the executive order a little bit and anything that um, the people listening to this podcast might be interested in or should be made aware of?
0: So this is a tough one. And of course, I've read the EO and I've read uh, uh, maybe too much commentary online from all sorts of intelligent people, and perhaps some from not so intelligent people about that. But the idea is that, to me, it still falls into somewhat, maybe binary, maybe less nuanced question. Will it cause any change in how we operate or not. So, and if you look at the industry commentary on this, you they kind of split into two broad buckets. One bucket says, yeah, this is just another government piece of paper. Nothing changed until now. We had high hopes for X, for Y, for Z, for this document from NIST, for NIST CSF. For, for science materials, for that, for this. And so far, we are mostly plodding along. So there's a skeptic crowd that basically says the EO is not going to change anything because it's just a piece of paper from a government. Now, there's also another group of people who read the document and say, wait a second, that's different. This is not a, a 800 guide from NIST that has probably 800 pages that nobody would read unless people, except for people who have to read it, and even those may not understand the whole thing. It's a short and sweet and crisp, and sort of, to use the word from our podcast here, actionable uh, in many regards. So there's definitely a group, a probably large group of people who looked at this and thought, hmm, that may be different. So I'm going to behave a little cowardly, or maybe a little analysty, and I say, my take is, sorry, It's coming, it's coming, wait and see. My take is wait and see. (laughs) (laughs) Because I've been burned by too many groundbreaking regulations or groundbreaking mandates. But at the same time, I do sense, okay, a Star Wars analogy coming, a disturbance in the force from a few recent breaches and from a subtle difference in how the document is styled. So I remain in a wait and see mode. But I'm not an unquestionable skeptic, as many of my colleagues are. So some of my favorite spots. Of course, I have to mention the EDR, because uh, you probably know, uh, you can, if you don't, then you can look it up in Wikipedia, that I was the person who invented the acronym EDR while I was a Gartner analyst in 2000, 2013. So I was overjoyed that President Biden now says, deploy EDR, and I'm like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> Something that I, <laughs> I coined ended up being in the presidential mandate. So, of course, it's kind of funny, but it's also useful because it's a relatively modern approach to doing things. They're not just saying, encrypt the data, do data classification. They're not refreshing 1980s advice. They are using modern technology stack in the document. So, to me, this is a positive sign. Now, my other two favorite spots. Of course, uh, my other love of my life is logs. Uh, Log analysis is there as well. And to me, log retention, log analysis, enabling the correct logs for for detection and response are there. Now, this advice has been copied from previous documents, I'm sure, maybe from some NIST guidance, from CSF, from other materials. But the fact that we still place high-importance log analysis, especially for cloud systems, for example, is central to the detection and response elements. Not groundbreaking, but... Still, it's a sign that they're paying attention to this. And the third favorite is, of course, the zero trust. Now, I am both excited and nervous about zero trust being so prominently featured in the EO. Now, again, it's a modern approach, uh, so I'm happy that they're trying to infuse people with that type of thinking, but I'm also nervous that they sort of oversimplify it a little bit. And again, Google went on a pretty well-known journey to zero trust that started back in 2009 after an aurora breach but zero trust takes time and it takes hard work so just because you tell federal agencies hey you should use zero trust doesn't mean they would magically become more secure within a year but i really like that they highlight zero trust thinking and zero trust approaches and zero trust access architectures because to me this is probably the way to jump over some of the legacy systems kind of like push them to the curb and modernize to me modernizing is what i see in the eo and modernizing is what gives me hope that eo would change something
1: yeah I, you know it, it, your your points are very well taken and and mimic a lot of the things that i think as well i i, I too am, am kind of trying to take a a wait and see attitude towards the eo um it, it'll you know there's a lot of things going on there it'll be interesting to see how they're developed um i too enjoyed the zero trust conversation i think that it's a modern approach i think that People are finally hearing about it. I've written about it before. I'm doing research on it. Um, at the same time, it's a lot of stuff from yesteryear, all kind of rehashing some of the same things. So like like you mentioned, Anton, I think we'll see. And and I I appreciate the idea that they're trying to do something. Uh, hopefully, in this case, something will actually take hold and it will make some progress going further. So uh, very, very good commentary there. I have one last question for you that I, I'm kind of interested in as a good summary kind of question. You know, we've obviously seen some interesting changes in the last year. And from your perspective, what's the latest trends that you're seeing in threat hunting and investigation since the kind of the beginning and end of the pandemic? So I would say that the first is a somewhat obvious starting point about work from home and
0: distributed operations for many companies. This sort of boosted the stock, so to say, of both zero trust approaches and EDR. Again, two things from that I highlighted in the EO. Of course, if you don't have a data center or if less of your business activity flows through a data center, you would be doing a lot more distributed monitoring, hence more EDR, more endpoint detection, more endpoint investigation even remote investigations and zt as a replacement for at least some of the vpn usage uh, that is simultaneously more secure and leads to more productivity is very much welcome but what about the other changes so to me i i've been tracking over the years that a lot more operations a lot more socks kind of end up using third-party services and it doesn't mean hey, 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 I'm going to outsource to an MSSP from my SOC. Uh, it really means more about running a hybrid model, a hybrid ops model with a third-party provider. So I have a SOC, my MSSP or MDR has a SOC. We work together. Where I have a weakness, they have a strength. Where I have a strength and or where they cannot operate, such as for my insider threats, yeah, then I do the job. So to me, I do see a lot more hybrid ops, and I don't think the pandemic necessarily boosted it, but certainly I've seen uh, plenty of top-tier MSSPs and MDRs who are quite happy with how things are progressing. People are calling them more. People are realizing that they need to detect, but they're not just stuffed up for detection at all, and they cannot stuff up almost under under no circumstances. So they are using, uh, picking the more quality MSSPs and MDRs. I want to highlight the cloud detection a lot more. Lately, I had somebody ask me about my favorite service providers mdrs that can do cloud detection of threats in the cloud And it's a really tough question because uh if you wake me up at 3 a.m i maybe would name uh let's say maybe 30 mssps or mdrs that i still recall from my gartner days but if you ask me how many of them do a really good job detecting threats in gcp in amazon in azure i'd name two Maybe wow, three, maybe really? three. Yeah, maybe three. And so the point is that it's a tough challenge, but it's changing finally because clients, all sorts of mainstream organizations, are pushing to the cloud at high pace. Again, because COVID, because of the work changes, and that really places a lot more pressure on managed service providers and MDRs to boost the effectiveness of their cloud detection. And I think finally this is happening. It was really way overdue and there are very few providers who know what they're doing in this area but some are and there will be more of them in the future now the final bit i wanted to make here is that people expect to see more threat hunting and to be honest i'm not sure i see that i see a lot more people who are engaged in kind of maybe pretend hunting they redefine some activity they've been doing already like i don't know searching like they call searching hunting and now say we threat hunt but if I had search 10 years ago and I have search now, why am I calling it hunting now? I'm still searching. So to me, I I have not seen a dramatic increase in, in robust hunting operations. I do see some people who grew up and became better, and I see companies who started hunting maybe uh, to bulk up their detection activities, but I don't see any kind of a mass movement to hunting. And frankly, why don't we have a mass movement to quality detection first, and then we'll move to hunting after that?
1: Here, here totally agree <laughs> absolutely agree with that statement well I, I you know Anton great insights today mimics a lot of the things that I have said before and really appreciate your perspective on the things that we talked about today. Thank you to everybody who listened to our conversation if you'd like more information on what we discussed today make sure you head over to chronicle.security Thanks again and have a great day.